I know you probably think you're paying me way too much money because this is the seventh year in a row I've started the new year with the same sermon. It's like, can't you come up with a new one, Jim? I've tried to come up with a new one several times, but this is the sermon I need. Because as I look into 2012, I don't want to shrink back. How many of you want to aggressively obey the Lord in 2012? How many of you want to radically honor the Lord in your life in 2012? That's what this, this sermon is about. You know, there's that great line in, in uh, that movie. You may have seen it, you may not have. See if you recognize it. All men die, not all men truly live. Any of you recognize that line? Okay? Uh, nobody recognizes it. Um, you remember the movie Braveheart? been some time now. He was about to be executed. His woman comes to him lamenting the fact that he's about to be executed for leading a rebellion against England. He was a Scottish, uh, a Scottish uh, warrior. And uh, he said, every man dies. But not every man really lives. That's what Kadesh Barnea is about. Really living. Going with God. The Jews, as we know, shrank back from following the Lord. Of course, what William Wallace is saying in that, in that movie there is that those who are risk-averse at all costs, those who purposely live very small and manageable, uh, careful lives, who cower at every turn, who spend their life being afraid, he says, they've never really lived at all. Right? They've been afraid their whole life. makes me think that uh, William Wallace had read John 12, 25, and 26. These are the words of Jesus. He says, He who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is the message paraphrase. Many of you are familiar with it. Eugene Peterson paraphrases <clears throat> verse 25 like this. In the same way, anyone who holds on to his life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go reckless in your love, you will have it forever, real and eternal. I love that paraphrase. I just simply love it. And here's Jim's paraphrase. You don't have time to sweat the small stuff. Go with God. In 2012, you don't have time. We know what the Bible says. We're a vapor upon the earth, yes? So compared to eternity, this is just a moment. It's a sliver. It's a thread of time you're standing on. You don't have time not to obey the Lord, beloved. You simply don't have the time. So, in 2012, get on with it. No more uh, lukewarm Christianity for anybody in this room this year. Get on with it. If you profess to be a disciple of Christ, be one. Not just on Sunday. Every day, be one. Be one. In every sphere of your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, at school, at work, in your money, in your investments, in your church, obviously, be one. No more half-hearted Christianity. Jesus Christ was the antithesis of being risk-averse. All we have to do is look at His life. We can obviously also hear His words. He was fearless. He's called us to be the same. <laughs> He's called us to be 
the same. You heard it in the text I read to you from John 12. Jesus says, if anyone serves me, he goes where I go. He does what I do. As I said earlier, this is not religion. This is a passionate love affair with the living God lived out in the real world. That's, that's what Christianity is. That's what Christianity has always been. We know that men have co-opted it and turned it into religion, but it's not religion. Biblically, it's a passionate relationship with God. It's a passionate relationship with God. Jesus says, My people follow Me. You know the great text, John chapter 10. My sheep hear My voice. And what do they do? They follow Me if it's convenient, if it's comfortable, if, it doesn't, if it's not too risky. No. They come with Me, Jesus says. They follow Me. My sheep hear My voice. My sheep follow Me. C.S. Lewis says, it's not always the preacher's responsibility to impart new information. Sometimes he simply must remind us what we need to be doing. That's what this sermon is about. This is not new information. If you've been around ICM very long, this is not new information. The last seven years I've preached this sermon on the first Sunday of January. And I said to you earlier, it's because I need it. I do not want to shrink back in 2012. I do not want to get comfortable in 2012. I do not want to look at the obstacles in 2012. I want to look at God. I want to believe His promises. And I want to go forward. Amen? That's what I want to do in 2012. That's what I want you to do. Also, as we look into this new year, you know the story, Kadesh Barnea, there are two million Jews, two million Jews standing on the border of the promised land. The land that God has been promising for over 500 years. But they wouldn't go in. Why would they not go in? Someone said something. They were afraid. They were afraid. Well, listen, beloved. If you're a real Christian walking with Jesus, you're going to be afraid sometimes. Now, if you're just religious, no big deal. But if you're really obeying Christ, it will be risky sometimes. And you'll, the, the, the fear will well up in your flesh. But what does the Christian do? What does the real believer do? We believe our God. And we act. Of course they were afraid to go in. But God says, I have promised you the land. Go in. I'll be with you. Take it. Beloved, you're always a majority. If you're a born-again believer, you're always in the majority. God is with you. <laughs> God is with you. You know, when the fear wells up, preach to yourself. Preach to yourself. You're God's God. You're God's able. You're God's a promise keeper. But the Jews would not believe. They would not go and I love how Oswald Chambers says it. He says, God brings us to the place where He asks us to believe, in, believe Him and obey Him, but too often we begin to debate with Him. That moment becomes a great crossroads in our lives, and we have to decide for God or against God. That's really what's at stake at Kadesh Barnea. They basically said, God's not God enough for us. Let's go back to Egypt and be slaves. Can you imagine? God's not God enough. He can't keep His promise. That's exactly what they were saying. They didn't say it with their mouth. They said it with their actions. Beloved, what are you saying with your actions? What does your life scream about God? Is He a promise keeper? Can those around you see that God is a promise keeper because of the way you live? That's what Kadesh Barnea is all about. We, give a, uh, we don't have any right now. We give an excellent little book away. It's uh, 
called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. Many of you are familiar with it. Obedience is always risk, Piper says. Obedience is always risk. At some point, you bump up against the risk. If you go very far with Jesus Christ, you bump up against the risk. You bump up against the cost. This is New Testament Christianity. All you have to do is read your Bible. <laughs> you know? It's all over the pages of Scripture. Will it be safe if we go with Jesus? He doesn't give those kinds of guarantees. Will it be comfortable? He doesn't give those kinds of guarantees. He simply says, come on. Come on. He doesn't guarantee anything, but I love you and you'll be with me forever. This is what He guarantees. But in a temporal sense, as one theologian says, we, we always know what God's going to be like. We simply don't know what He's going to do. Daniel was delivered. Stephen was stoned. God was doing something different in each life. Beloved, we're not to be concerned with, the, with the, the temporal circumstance. We're supposed to just look at God and obey. We leave, we leave the result to Him. He's a promise-keeping God. Do we believe it? Will we live it? Let me ask you, when was the last time you took a risk for the Gospel? When was the last time you took a risk for the Gospel? When was the last time you took a risk for Jesus Christ? You know, many Christians, the only risk they ever take is to drive to church. They might be in an accident. That's the only risk that many Christians ever take. Beloved, we're called to be radical believers. We're called to be disciples. We're called to be disciples. So, the New Year resolution for ICM, for me personally, and Maybe for you as well in 2012 is that we would decide for God this year like we've never decided uh, for God before. Even if it gets risky, even if it gets costly, even if it's very uncomfortable, we're going to obey. We're going to go in. We're going to go in. We're not going to shrink back. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Some of you are standing at a per personal Kadesh Barnea right now. You know, if you're a Christian, God just keeps bringing you up to Kadesh Barnea. You're always perpetually coming up to Kadesh Barnea. And you're always going to have to believe. You know, God's always pushing His people to faith. This is what He does. Without faith, it's impossible to what? Please God. So He's always going to bring you to faith. So you have to exercise it. You know, if you've gotten stale and comfortable in your Christianity, well, then you've sat down somewhere along the way. God is always bringing you to the new place each one of us, if we're on the heels of Jesus, will be in a new place at the end of 2012 than where we started 2012. So this is what God does in the lives of His people. I hope you have your Bibles open. We're going to quickly take a look at, at the text here. You heard the text read. Let me just bring you up to speed where we are. You know that God has brought the the Jews out of Egypt. He's crushed the most powerful nation on, on the earth with His, with his uh, miraculous power. They've, they've seen the ten plagues. They've walked through the Red Sea. They've seen the pillar of fire. They've eaten the manna. Uh, God has given Moses the law at Mount Sinai. And two million Jews have arrived at the border of the promised land. God is making good on the promise He made to Abraham. And He's brought Israel to the border of that Promised land. And Kadesh Barnea, over time, has become biblical shorthand for the costly consequences 
of shrinking back from going with God. Okay, what happened to these people when they wouldn't act? What happened? You know the story. Most of you know the story. What happened? They died in the wilderness, didn't they? They died in the wilderness because they wouldn't believe God. They wouldn't go with God. They wouldn't trust God. Beloved, I don't want, any, I don't want that to happen to any of you. <laughs> Man, I, I want you to radically obey and radically believe and radically trust in 2012. Look there in chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, send out some spies. Look what He says here. And spy out the land what? Spy out the land that what? I'm going to give to you. It's a fresh promise. It's a done deal. God says it's a done deal. You know this, don't you, believer? It's a done deal in the believer's life. God's going to keep His promise. It's a done deal. Act. Act. It's a done deal. Act. It's a fresh promise. I love that. God never doesn't keep a promise. And here's a fresh one for the Jews. Look with me over at verse 17. Moses sent the spies out into the land. He says, go on up there. Check it out. Verse 18. See if the people are strong or weak, whether they're few or many. Verse 19. He says, see if the land is good or bad. How are the cities? Are they open camps or are they fortified? Verse 20. And how is the land? Is it fat or lean? I love this about God. God knows what they're going to see in there, doesn't He? What are they going to see? Giants. <laughs> Strong people. A strong people. But God's saying, are you going to believe me? Are you going to trust me? Do you think I'm a promise keeper? Do you think I'm God, God enough to keep a promise to you? Beloved, you're always going to come to this point in your Christianity. What I've seen in many, many years of ministry is many people shrink back. Many people shrink back. They're with God as long as it's easy and comfortable and they can make, they can make human sense of it. But once it gets beyond the, 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 the common sense realm, they're, they're, they bail. I've seen this so many times. God's going to bring you to the hard place. And you know what? He's going to meet you in the hard place. If you'll obey Him, He'll meet you there. And you get a fresh revelation of the Godness of God. You know, if your Christianity has grown stale, it is not God's fault. I've said this to you many times. It's your fault. Because somewhere you've left off obeying. Somewhere you shrank back. God is going to give Himself, give, give a new revelation of Himself to His people as they believe. And the one thing He wants them to know, it's the same thing He wants you to know. You can't do it without Him. You know, you can be religious without Him, but you can't be a real Christian without Him. You can go to church without Him, but you can't live real Christianity in the world without Him. It's impossible. You'll shrink back every time. You need Him. You will need Him to walk your Christianity. You'll need Him. And this is what He's showing to the people. You're going to need Me to do this. You know, real belief... Real obedience is not a cakewalk, you know, it's not, you know, you just can't fall into it. It's not something that happens by osmosis. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. But God says, I'll be with you. But He wants us to know we cannot do it without Him. So, in 2012, 
As you come against your Kadesh Barnea, He wants you to go in with your eyes wide open. He wants you to know. You can't do it without Him. You can't do what He's calling you to do unless you fall on Him. You can't do it in your own strength. You know, the reason I've seen so many people shrink back in my ministry career or life is, is that they figure they can't do this. I can't see my way clear to do this. Of course you can't. That's the point. <laughs> Only God can do what He's calling you to do. Only God can do it. Only God can do it. When you come to your personal Kadesh Barnea, God's going to make sure you, can't, you, can't, you know you can't do it without Him. And that's when faith comes in. And that's when you believe. And that's when you act. In 2012, that's what I'm calling you to. Jesus Christ says, follow Me. No qualification. Follow Me. Are you following Him? You know, for, for a true believer, for a born-again believer, that should, be the, that should be the first thing on your list. You know? On, that's your daily, your daily planner. Follow Jesus. Whatever it means. Follow Jesus. Whatever it means. He means for His people to follow Him. And He's going to, you know, as you step out in belief, what did He tell... Uh, what did he tell Mary standing at Lazarus' tomb? If you believe what? You'll see the glory of God. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. You must act. You must believe. You must trust. As one theologian said, God never calls His people to a fair fight. What's the point? If, it's a, you know, if, if it can humanly be done, where's the glory for God? Right? So He's always going to call you to an unfair fight. You're always going to be outnumbered. You're always going to be outmanned. He's going to call you to a thing so big you can't possibly do it on, on your own. This is Christianity. Man, He left 11 guys. He left just 11 guys to evangelize the world. How is that possible? <laughs> it's impossible. What? Unless they rely on the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we're called to a huge thing. This is something I, I struggle with. People live their Christianity so small. They think it's a pedestrian kind of thing. It's an average kind of thing. Wrong! This is the most important thing in the cosmos. That we share the Gospel of God. We have the most important job in, in the cosmos. I say it all the time. I have the best job. And I, I couldn't stoop to be President of the United States. My job is infinitely more important than to be President of the United States. I preach the Gospel. And God changes lives. And people are converted. Eternities are changed. Amen? That's what you're about. Yes, I know you're an engineer. You're a salesperson. You're something else. You're a student. You know, I say this to you all the time. Yes, you're that, but most importantly and preeminently, you're a Christian. Yes? A Christian first, an engineer later. A Christian first, a singer later. A Christian first, a student later. You know, you're not in Milan on your own errand. You're in Milan on God's errand. I tell you this all the time. This is God's errand for you. Karen and I are in Milan. This is God's errand. We didn't pick Milan. I didn't even know where Milan was. I had no interest in Milan. I've been here eight years now. <laughs> We just followed Him. 
Beloved, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to go with the Lord. You know, I've, I've said it to you many times. To, to, real faith, it believes, it trusts, it obeys, and, and it, it kind of it, it, it goes a little further. It ventures out. You know, we, could, we can use the word it ventures out on the promises of God. It's like Peter walking on the water. You know, God didn't tell Peter to get out of the boat. Peter wanted to get out of the boat. Let me ask you, do you want to get out of the boat in 2012? Do you want to believe God in a whole new way in 2012? Or you just want to stand pat with God? You just want to keep doing the same old thing you've been doing. You just want the comfortable little box, the Christian box you're in. Is that what you want? Shame on you. Shame on me. Because I feel that in myself sometimes. Beloved, we don't have time. We just simply don't have time. We don't have time to live a life like that. You know what it means to venture out to... To be involved in, in exploits that involve risk and hazard. It requires daring. It re- requires courage. It requires boldness. That's what the Lord has led the Jews to here at the Promised Land. It requires all these things. Most importantly, it, it requires in believing that God is God. So many Christians live like God is not God at all. He cannot be trusted. He will not show up. I can't obey Him here. Beloved, it's always a risk. Christianity is always a risk. It was impossible for Peter to walk on the water, wasn't it? Did he? If you say you're a Bible believer, he did. I know the skeptic doesn't believe it. But how about you? Do you believe it? It was impossible, but he walked on the water. What is God calling you to do in 2012? That looks impossible... And it can't be done, but God's calling you to it. Beloved, this is Christianity. <laughs> this makes Jesus famous when His people walk on the water. Oswald Chambers again, faithfulness to Jesus means that I must step out even when and where I can't see anything. Faith is not intellectual understanding. Faith is a deliberate commitment to the person of Jesus Christ. Even when I can't see the way ahead, are you debating whether you should take a step of faith in Christ or whether you should wait until you can uh, clearly see what to Clearly see how to do what he's asked. And here's the the most famous, most oft-repeated line at the International Church of Milan. Simply obey God with glad, reckless joy. That's my call to you in 2012. Obey God with glad, reckless joy. Don't you love that? I love that. I love that sentence. This is Christianity. This is discipleship. So what will Israel do? More importantly, what will you do? Let's look here quickly at uh, Numbers 13, verse 25. The spies came back at the end of 40 days. Verse 27, they said, man, this is a great land. It flows with milk and honey. There's fruit in there. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people who live in the land, they're strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Verse 30, Caleb quieted the crowd. He said, by all means, we should go up and take it, for we shall overcome it. What's his confidence? Is his confidence in Caleb? What's his confidence? His confidence is God. This is how the Christian lives. Our confidence is God. Our confidence is not in the flesh. Our confidence is in God. By all means, live a radical Christian life in 2012. What are you thinking about? What are you waiting for? I mean, come on. What are you waiting for? Of course we're called to, to be radical disciples. I love this. 
Caleb says, by all means. Don't even think twice. Our God's God. Yes or no? Do you live like it, beloved? Do you live like your God is God? This is why He's left us on the planet. That we might live God-sized lives. They bring honor and glory to His name. Verse 31, the men who got up with Him said, we are not able to do it. These people are too strong. Verse 33, we were like grasshoppers to these people. Caleb is saying, of course we should do it. The unbelievers were saying, no, no, we can't do it. And what they're really saying is, God's not really a promise keeper. God's not trustworthy. You can't count on Him. That's really what, he's, what they're saying, and that's what you and I are saying when we shrink back. You know, it's not, this is not a small matter, beloved. It's not a small matter. We're actually, even though we don't say it, but with our lives we're saying it. God's not a very big God. He's a little bitty God. I don't trust Him too much. That's, that's what we're saying. And what an awful thing for a Christian to say by their life and by their actions. There's that great text. You remember Jesus? Remember the man who, I think he wanted his son to be healed, and he said, You know, could you, if you're able, you know, could you do something, Jesus? And Jesus said, Jesus said something like, um, You know, um, all things are possible for those who believe. You remember what the man said? He said, I believe. Anybody remember his prayer? I believe what? Help my unbelief. Beloved, if you're going to go with God in 2012, you have to have that prayer in your hip pocket because you're going to have to pull it out. You're going to have to pull it out all the time. If you're serious about being a Christian, you will need that prayer all the time. I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief that I will go with You and honor You. I love that prayer. Keep it handy. You'll need it if, you, if you're serious about going with Jesus. Look here at Numbers 14.1. And all the congregation lift up their voices and they cried and they wept. Verse 2, they grumbled against Moses. Would that, listen to this, would that he, we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in the wilderness. Verse 3, and why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword and our wives and little ones to become plunder? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. Do you hear it? They, they not only won't believe God, they impugn His character. Like He's set them up for slaughter. Yes? Unbelievable. After all the things that they had seen. I mean, God's smack dab in the middle of blessing these people. You know, it's, they're one step away from everything they've ever dreamt of. Everything God had uh, prepared for them, but it's the step they won't take. What is that step? It's the step of... Someone tell me. This is... Very not hard. Faith. The step of faith. Are you living faith? Faith, beloved. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's not saying I have it. It's living it. This is the kind of faith that the Bible uh, is talking about. It's not just letting it roll off your tongue. It's living it out. We know what uh, the great book of James has to say about 
Faith without works. What is faith without works? Someone tell me. It's dead. God says it's useless. <laughs> if the faith doesn't do anything, it's, it doesn't mean anything. It might be pretty religion, but it is worthless. So the Hebrews must take this step. They impugn the character of God. They, impugn, they want to go back to Egypt. What, someone tell me, what's in Egypt? Slavery. That's what's in store for any one of you who shrink back from God in 2012. If you step back from God, you've condemned yourself to slavery. You've condemned yourself to the wilderness. They want to go back and be slaves. Egypt. Meaningless lives. Wasted lives. Hopeless lives. But that's better than taking a risk with God. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? This is what they're saying. Egypt is slavery, but at least it's safe. Egypt is bondage, but at least they understood it. Egypt is meaningless, but at least it's manageable. Yes? You understand? This is what uh, modern Christianity has more or less devolved into. Some kind of manageable religious experience. You know, check my, check my religious box. I'm sure God's pleased. I went to church. I'm sure He's pleased. I tipped my hat to God. I'm sure He's pleased. He's not pleased, beloved. He's not pleased with the tip of a hat. You know, it's like C.S. Lewis says, He'll have all of you or He'll have none of you. Yes? You can't negotiate with Him. Lewis says, there's no bargaining with Him. <laughs> there's no bargaining with Him on this point. So, they're afraid. They like this illusion of security better than they like going with God. How many Christians are like that in, in the modern era? This illusion of security. We know there is no real security in this life. We understand that if we read our Bibles. There is no real security. But we hold to this illusion of security instead of going with the Lord, taking those risks that He calls us to Oh, what a great idea. Let's be slaves. Let's just be in bondage all of our lives. Let's be afraid all of our lives. Let's do stupid, meaningless labor all our lives. Or believe God. Don't you love Cadiz Barnea? <laughs> I love it. I love it with all my heart. I do love it. Jesus said if you abide in My Word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you... What? Are you free, beloved? Are you free to be a radical follower of Jesus in 2012? If you're not free, you're still in bondage. If you're in Christ, you're free. You're free to... 2012, it be your best year ever as you give yourself away to the Lord. Look what Caleb says here. Verse 6. Joshua and Caleb. Look what they say here. Verse 7. They spoke to the congregation. They say it's a good land. Verse 8. Now listen to verse 8 and 9. If the Lord is pleased with us, then He will bring us into it. And give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Verse 9, only do not rebel. This is what it is. When we shrink back, 
This is rebellion. This is how God sees it. Do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they shall be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them. And the Lord, listen to this, the Lord is with us. Do not fear. Don't you love that song we sang? We are the friend of God. You know, if you actually believe any of this stuff, your life will be radically changed. Right? We're the friend of God. This is what God says. We're His friend. He's our friend. What are you afraid of? What can man do to me? Nothing. He may kill the body. So what? If he kills the body. What is that? (laughs) It's very much better to be with the Lord. To live as Christ. To die as gain. I fear we don't meditate on that near enough. Now listen to what they say. God is bringing us to a good place if you'll believe Him. Caleb and Joshua. God will give us what He's promised if you'll trust Him. They say. God will turn our fear into our prey if we'll obey Him. I love this and I'm not going to take the time to share it with you, but several times in my life God has turned my fear into my prey. Now, you should be having this experience with God. The thing you feared, the thing that made you want to shrink back, you had faith, you stepped out, and God vanquished it. It became your prey. Your fear becomes your prey. I love this about Christianity. Where, what is it that you fear? God will make it your prey. <laughs> oh, I love this text. I love this text. This is grown-up Christianity, beloved. This is what God has called us to. Now, just very quickly, I want to show you how God sees all this. Look down here, chapter 14, verse 10 and 11. But all the congregation said, Stone Joshua and Caleb. These crazy guys stone them. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of the meeting of all the sons of Israel. Verse 11, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people spurn me? You see that? I looked up this Hebrew verb. It's translated different ways by various English translations. I'll just give it to you. One said spurn. One said despise. One said reject. One said provoked. One said ignore. One said have contempt for me. This is how God sees it. When His people don't believe He's God enough for them, this is how God sees it. So you do see what's at stake at Kadesh Barnea, at your personal Kadesh Barnea. I'll let you read the balance of chapter 14 for yourself. Most of you, as I said earlier, know the rest of the story. These people decided against God. These people died in the wilderness. This is what's at stake when God brings you to Kadesh Barnea, there's a high cost in deciding against God. Unrisky disobedience is infinitely more risky than risky obedience. Do you get that? So, you remember in John chapter 6, everybody was leaving Jesus. And Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away too? You remember what Peter said? Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of life. And that's what this sermon is about. It's about your life. It's about what you're going to do with it. It's about driving a stake in the ground and being a disciple of Jesus in 2012 like you've never been before. God's always bringing His people to the new place. He's going to bring you to a new place in uh, 2012. He is. Trust me. Those of you who've been serious Christians for any length of time, you already know this. God is always bringing you to 
a new place. And that's what this message is about. I want you to live at large. I want you to live 2012 large. Like it's your last year. If God told you that this is the last 12 months you're going to get, if you knew that and you believed that, how would your life change? How would your mindset change? I think it's important for us to think about these things, beloved. I'm with Peter on this. I say we stay with Jesus. I say we go with Jesus. He has the words of life. And you guys know, you know the story. And I'm going to turn over to, you don't have to turn with me there unless you'd like. Joshua, I'm going to turn over to Joshua 21. And I'm just, you know the end of the story. Here's the end of the story. So the Lord gave Israel all the land that He had promised to give to them. They possessed it and they lived in it. That's what God will do in your life. In 2012, He's going to keep every promise. Verse 44 of Joshua 21, And the Lord gave them rest on every side according to all that He had sworn to their fathers. And no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. He kept His promise, yes? That's what He'll do in your life in 2012, beloved. Verse 45 of Joshua 21, not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed to come to pass. So what we have to ask ourselves is do we believe Him and do we trust Him? We've talked many times about this name that, that we find in Scripture uh, of God uh, that was used when, when Abraham was on the mountain with Isaac. And Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh. What does it mean? He's a provider. Another Hebrew translation is God will see to it. God always sees to it with His people. I love that. He sees to it. He'll see to it. If you'll go with Him in 2012, He'll not only see to it, He'll, he'll disclose Himself to you in a new and incredibly dynamic way. This is what God does. Christianity should never be stale. If it's stale, beloved, you have left off. Somewhere you've sat down. You're no longer really interacting with Him and, and, and focusing on Him and walking with Him. He's always going to take us to that new place. So my, my uh, admonition to you, my exhortation is that you would obey the Lord with glad, reckless joy in 2012. Live your Christianity like you've always known it should be lived. You've always known it's radical. If you, if you, have, if you just read the, the New Testament with average comprehension skills, just average, you don't, have to be, you don't have to be Einstein, just read the Bible with average comprehension skills. You know it's radical. Hebrews 11 is radical. It's, these people were radical. <laughs> So, beloved, even as God has given Himself to us, I challenge you in 2012 to give yourself away to Him. We're going to take just a minute. I'm just going to have a, a moment here before I pray. We're going to bow our heads. Um, yeah, we don't do psychological manipulation in this church. And we don't do silly things like that. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to give 2012 to God. While you're sitting right here with God's people, just hearing God's Word being preached, we've just sang praises to the living God, I'm going to give you a chance to be still before the Lord and give 2012 to Him. So we're going to take a few minutes. It's between you and God. 
It's between you and God. I'm not asking you to do anything public. It's between you and God. You decide what 2012 is going to be like. While you're sitting in the Lord's house, this, this old, was it a garage? This old garage that He's redeemed. He's redeemed the garage. So while you're sitting here in His redeemed garage, you do some business with the Lord. Will 2012 be His or will it be yours? That's what we're asking. That's, that's, that's really what this is about. Will you go with God or will you shrink back? So let's take a few minutes. Just be still where you are. Let's bow our heads.